Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. That's always special, just to see that. See, many of you that deliver packages, uh, you know what the feeling is to uh, step up to a door. So, hey, uh, we are going to uh, give uh, a great opportunity Pastor John, uh, just in his heart, I know that we were disappointed that we couldn't have uh, uh, live services. And so we really talked through some of the logistics. And we're going to have a single live service. It's our traditional late night service, Christmas carols and communion. So if you go to that usually, we're having it this year. We'll have seating for everybody. There is a limitation, obviously, on the numbers. So you'll have to register to get a seat for that. But you have to do it. Uh, I went on there already going pretty quick. Uh, it came out in the newsletter. So if you want to be together and many families come, kids come in their pajamas, and it's just a great service, a very simple Christmas carols, uh, communion, uh, candle lighting, and a, a short message. So um, we have room for that. If you'll uh, get on there and get in that now, we'd really uh, be glad that you're joining us. So uh, I think some of you, it sounds like uh, from Jake's announcement, need a nap. Um, so let's just take a moment, close your eyes. Let's put some mat, nap music on. No. <laughs> All right, I hope I don't put you to sleep. I'll try not to, but anyway. I do have a picture I want to show you. Uh, Nancy and I went out with Angel Tree yesterday, and uh, so take a look at this. Um, the good-looking one is the girl, um, and the other guy, uh, Santa, has uh, no worries. <laughs> anyway, we went out, we had more fun, and uh, you know, if somebody shows up at your door with a, a bag, and, and if you don't know them, you probably won't open the door, but with that Santa, who's going to turn Santa down, really? You know what I mean? Uh, but this picture is proof there is a God. <laughs> there is a God. Amen. Uh, Jake, they really are sleeping. I'm telling you. Nine o'clock did a lot better with that, folks. Come on now. Let's get going here. All right. So we'll jump into this. We're in the middle of a series on Advent. And uh, I don't know your uh, religious traditions. I don't know what you grew up in thinking about Advent. But um, we grew up, didn't really big part of our church growing up uh, experience. And so, but we did get our kids those little calendars you buy that you, you open the flap and you have a little picture or a message or something like that. So that was kind of our experience with Advent. And then several years ago when I was a pastor in South Carolina, a good friend of mine had kind of like a formal church background and they, they really got into the Advent thing. So we went to their house for dinner and uh, we went in and they had in their living room the Advent wreath with the calendar and we lit the candle. And uh, so we go into the other room, have dinner. And in a little while, smoke started coming in the house and the candle had burned down and lit the wreath on fire. It burned the house down, killed their cat. It was, no, I'm kidding you. How many of you like cats? <laughs> There's a few of you. <laughs> I got in real trouble last night because I went off on the cat thing. Uh, I'll stay away from that today. I'll, I know I already have emails. Uh, you know, uh, I actually heard Pastor John say this one time in a joke, and so uh, I won't say it. It was attributed to him, but I did hear him say it. He said, you know, he, didn't like, he likes cats. Uh, he said they're delicious. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other thing. So anyway, uh, uh, so how many of you do like cats? How many of you have a cat? Okay, 
All right. You know, they're wonderful. They really are. If you like cats, they curl up and scratch your face, all sorts of fun stuff like that. But anyway. So uh, anyway, that wasn't true. We put the fire out and uh, that was my only experience with Advent. So Pastor Chris, as we're looking into uh, Christmas season, we usually do a series and the Lord just put on our heart this idea of Advent. I think it's been a wonderful series. If you got the packet and you've been going through uh, the home stuff, it's really, really been good. So I uh, hope you have. But each of these candles represent uh, some themes from the Bible. Uh, uh, first week, Pastor John talked about hope, and then uh, Jake talked about peace, and last week, Daniel did a great job talking about joy. All these guys are great teachers. I get the privilege today about talking about love, and I was thinking about this idea of all the Advent themes. You know, you can experience hope, and you can experience peace, and you can experience joy, and, and you could be inspiring others with those things, but I truly believe that love is the one thing that you not only can experience, but that you can give. It is the one thing that creates a, a, a conduit uh, outside of the others that I think is important. So um, the scriptures say in Ephesians, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. How many would say today that you could use a little more love in your life? Anybody here in love? Raise your hand if you're in love. If you're sitting next to your spouse, I sure hope you raised your hand. I can see gifts going back to Macy's right now. You don't get no gift now. You didn't raise your hand when Pastor Terry said, are you in love? Uh, love is tricky, isn't it? We're gonna talk about that. It's complicated, but it's amazing. So he says, oh, be filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, love is one of those things. What is love? If I ask everybody here, what is love? And had you write down what you think love is, I honestly believe we'll probably have 50 different uh, explanations of love. We kind of group the word love as just this whole generic thing. But I want to help you today. Uh, there's more than just one form of love. And I want to bring some clarity. Out of the scriptures in the Bible, we see some specific forms of love written in the Greek text. And I'll give you those uh, today. The first is eros. Now, the world has taken that and turned it into a sexual thing. But the real word eros is an important thing that has to do with desire, passion, romance. Uh, how many of you watch Hallmark movies, Christmas movies? The cat guy raised his hand. Anyway, <coughs> I, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, now, you're the same group that when he said whiskey got excited. So you know what I mean? Um, okay, seriously, I, I like them. I admit, I watch them. Okay, how many guys watch a Hallmark? You're not gonna lose your guy card. <laughs> Go hang out with your wife, watch it or girlfriend or whatever, watch Hallmark movies. And they're all the same, okay? Uh, they just change the locations. I've noticed that the decorations are still the same. So the prop department uses the same decorations. But here, it's, it's, it's there. These are the elements of every Hallmark movie, okay? Someone dies, all right? A mother or father or somebody. So they've got the, the, the heart element. Uh, somebody meets, a guy meets a girl and they fall in love. Something is created that blows their love up, all right? And they're going different ways and it's so tragic and sad. And then they come back together and then they ride off in a sleigh uh, down Central Park and everybody's happy and the music plays. Amen? Come on now, you watch it. I'm telling you, you watch it. It's the reality. And I like them. I'm going to be honest, I like them. My life really has turned out to be a Hallmark movie in itself. So anyway, but when you look at this idea of passion, at the beginning of all of these Hallmark, somebody meets, they have this desire and, 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 and want to be with that person. I remember... Uh, 
You know, when Brenda passed away, uh, I thought, golly, I, man, I'm going to be alone and single. And some of you are single. And you know that horrible feeling of just not having someone in your life. And the Lord just beautifully, kindly uh, brought Nancy into my life. And I had all of this Eros love. I, 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 I had this desire to be with her. I wanted to, I just, I was excited to see her and go out on dates. And, and I would text her and, and I would just say, oh, I'm thinking about you. And she would text back, go away. And... Uh, <laughs> So that, you know, I was worried then. It's like, I got this desire and passion. So I text her five minutes later. She said, you're a stalker. Leave me alone. And after a while, she just gave up. She said, okay, he loves me. I'm just, I'm stuck with the guy. And so, but I had that passion. Some of you maybe remember in your relationships, maybe early on, you know, David, that just that idea of, of that passion. And I want to say this, it doesn't just end at the beginning of a relationship. Uh, if you haven't been married a while, you learn how to rekindle that. A lot of great books of ideas about rekindling that passion. It's important. It can last in the love of a lifetime for sure. So that's the one area. The other is storge. This is the idea of affection. All right, we talk about warm feelings or thoughts about people or objects. You literally can, and I'm serious, you can have uh, the storge kind of love for your pet. All right, you just love your pet. That's the kind of love. It's an affection. All right, you like them. You like being with them. Even if it's a cat, you like them. And it's just, I'm sorry, I'll stop. No more cat stuff, I promise, okay? Uh, uh, I'll try to stop. So anyway, you can have that about objects. You can have storge love for a, a sports team. This year, you don't have any love for any sports team in Denver. But anyway, you can feel this kind of affection, this, this warm thing, okay? It could be like a Hallmark movie or, or whatever that is. The next one is philea. It is uh, defined by close relationship. We you see the term brotherly love. This is a deeper relationship. As I look across uh, this, this audience here today, there's so many wonderful people, uh, guys that I share a brotherly love with, the, the kind of people that you, you feel comfortable and safe enough to share your heart and to talk about what's going on and the things that are happening in your life and, and, and the kind of people that they say, like, for guys, guys, the way we're wired relationally, we, we do things side by side. You know, we, 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 we fish or, or whatever. It's shoulder to shoulder. For women, it's face to face. They have that intimacy and many women have that kind of love for one another that is philea. And the last one that really defines God God's love the best, though, is agape. It is that deeply committed, sacrificial, giving kind of love. It is the highest form of love that we see in the Bible demonstrated by God. Now, in the paraphrase, the message version, a paraphrase is uh, somebody taking the scripture and putting it on the, their own words. Message is one of the most popular. I love this in Ephesians as it describes uh, the love of God. Ephesians 3 in the message paraphrase says this. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by a spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. I just love that phrasing. The extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out, experience the breath, breath, test its length, plumb the depth, rise to the highest, live full lives in the fullness of God. Man, that's great wording, okay? 
So I want to talk about that love today. And the reality is that when you look at God's agape love, we can have agape love. We can have a sacrificial love. We have stories, and I'll talk about stories and what that looks like. But God's agape love is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. God isn't just loving. God is love. And I was thinking about what are some of the attributes of that love? First of all, it's not conditional. Even in our life, we have conditional love. The idea of of love if. Uh, I will love you, and we may just consciously say this, or subconsciously say this, but, but in a relationship, we may say, I'll love you if, fill in the blank, you meet these certain requirements. All right, there's love language. We talk about how people communicate love, gifts and, 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 and acts of service and quality time and words of affirmation and all those. All those are great, but you know what? If you're not feeling that, you might say, that person does not love me. All right, and that may be very well true that you're reading into that, but God's love is absolutely unconditional. It's an amazing love. God's love is not wavering. All right, our love here, whether it's a good agape brand of love, it still wavers. We still have these faults and flaws where it's hard to love people that way. But God, in his love for you, never wavers. The scripture talks about that his love, you can never get away from his love. You, whatever you do, you can't get away from his love. God's love is sacrificial. The love that we read about here that is extravagant in its dimensions is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. It's important. All right. And then love does something. We, we, we group idea of love as emotion. We kind of think if we feel something, but love makes a choice and a decision without the feeling that we associate with love. And it is action. All right. We see that in many examples in scripture. Jesus throughout scripture put his love on display in action, in sacrifice. And it's not just this feeling thing. I don't think he felt like dying for us and hanging on a cross. But for the joy set before him, he endured it. That is love. In agape, in the scriptures, it's used 259 times. And it's shown throughout those words as a self-sacrifice. I've experienced people who have agape love in this world. Not perfect, but agape love. All right. Um, I, 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 my father, um, just seeing the love that he has had for uh, his children, us, his children, uh, my mom, and, and, and through health issues she's facing, all the sacrifices that he makes, all the action, all the giving, all, the, uh, all of that that he is doing, it's a beautiful kind of a love. Uh, I, I'll say this. Uh, I've known Pastor John since he was about 16. Uh, he was a young guy. He came in, met my sister, Chris, and uh, they, they fell in love. I didn't like John. Um, I thought he was a punk. And at that time, he was. He would admit to that. But here's what happened. John came to know Christ. He came to experience a calling in his life and began to, to, to work with uh, uh, junior high. He shared that before. Um, he says he hired me here so he could get even with me for putting him in junior high. I don't think that's true. But anyway, here's what I've seen. I'm, I'm telling you, your pastor, your lead pastor lives agape love. I've seen amazing sacrifices that he has personally given. When Brenda died, John was there in ways that I could not describe to you in the words. It would take the whole rest of the message. He was there. He did action. He did so many things to help me through that. All right, I've seen that in agape love. Uh, my friend Larry Good. Larry's a missionary we support in Peru. Um, 
Larry's an amazing man. Uh, many of you maybe have had the opportunity to go on a trip to Peru with the church. It's just been a wonderful opportunity. And so uh, Larry's a friend. I went to Alaska with him last year. Um, he has some roots there from businesses and things. And so we had a, a time in Alaska. It's really just a refreshing time. And uh, Larry's just someone I can easily love. But Larry was, um, he's from Colorado, but he ends up in Alaska and he had some businesses there and was very successful, very comfortable, all right, and living a good life. He told me, he said, man, Terry, I had a good life. He said, I'd be in Alaska in the summer and Hawaii in the winter. So that's pretty good. I'd like that. He said, I got friends in Hawaii. I could stay with them. Anyway, he had that life. So God wrecked him. God wrecked him. You be very careful signing up for a mission trip because God will wreck you. He goes to Peru with his church group there in Alaska and he goes and he sees multitudes of children that are orphaned, abandoned, that are scrounging for food anywhere they can find it. And it broke his heart. And he made the decision, God, I'm only one person, but I want to help as many of the kids as I can. He goes back to Alaska in this process of time, literally sells out, cashes out, takes everything he has, literally goes to Peru, not under an admissions umbrella. He personally goes to Peru and he starts feeding kids. He starts helping kids. He eventually adopts some of them. He's raised them up to be great leaders in uh, Lost Children of Peru ministry. Uh, and so uh, Larry's funny. I, I try to bring him something when I go. It's like, Larry, what can I bring you, you know? And, and I'll try to bring him something and, and he gives it away. He gives it away. John gave him a real nice watch one time. Larry was like, oh, that's a cool watch. John gives him a really nice, John sacrificial, gives him this really nice watch. Larry gave it away. You know what? Normally you'd be irritated that you give that gift to somebody and then they give it away. But if you knew Larry's heart, he wants everybody to experience good things in their life. This year, we just got a video. They fed, uh, served 150,000 meals. All right. You are a part of that. You are a part of feeding many of those folks. All right. And if you knew Larry, he has given up everything. All right. He's given up everything. That is sacrificial love. I've seen agape love in this world. All right. So a lot of you are sitting here, oh, Terry, this is old stuff, man. We know this stuff. You know, tell us the stories, you know, hard strings. But we know this stuff. I agree. Most of you, if you're a believer, have heard of agape love. Most of you heard it associated with God. But I want to ask you an important question. Because what we know here may not be what we really know here. And I want to ask you today, what keeps you from experiencing agape love from God? Because I know for my experience with talking with people, even in the last few months, I've come to realize that a lot of people don't experience God's love. They go to church, they'll sing the songs, they'll pray, they'll even read the Bible. But if they're honest, they say, I just don't feel God's love. And so from those conversations, I actually have some reasons that people have expressed why they don't experience God's love. The first one is this, a wrong perception of love, a wrong perception of love, all right? For example, if you were raised in a home with an abusive father and you were going through hurt and pain and your association with a father was related to that. Well, when we talk about the father heart of God, when we talk about how God loves us, our heavenly father, there's a disconnect because your association isn't with true love. You didn't have the kind of father I had. It was gracious and kind and loving. And so you don't understand that part of it. So you have held your hand up to the father love because you've associated in a wrong perception. Another one is that uh, I haven't done enough to earn his love. 
I need to do more. I see this in church all the time. I see certain people, they, they're at every service, they're at every activity, they sign up for all the Bible studies, they go on the mission, they do all this, but inward there's something that just says, I gotta do more. I gotta do more because God's gotta love me. I, I've experienced a little of that in my own life. I, I'm like, God, I've, I, you know, I want you to love me, God, so I'm gonna perform. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this little Christian performance thing and you're gonna be so happy with me, God, that you're gonna love me. Now that's sure kind of like, almost facetious in that statement, but there's a thought process that goes with that, that I've got to earn and do enough so he will love me. Another one is unforgiveness. I want to state it clearly. If you are harboring unforgiveness, you have shut the door to God's love. That's a choice you've made. There may have been in your life something horribly done wrong, a lot of pain, and you've been abused or hurt or taken advantage of. Pastor John did a message several weeks ago about unforgiveness and reconciliation. Really one of the best I've ever heard. If you haven't heard it, go back and, and find that. But the reality is, is that you don't experience God's love because somewhere, all right, and it, it, hey, the truth is, it's really evident in holidays. I mean, it's like you're thinking, you, you got your list, you know. Uh, well, they're not getting nothing. I'll send them a dead cat. <laughs> okay, one, that was the last one. <laughs> it was just too easy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get in trouble, but hey, all right. I'll never get a preach again. All right, so, all right, I just killed the moment, didn't I? Um, but whatever, uh, you know, uh, li listen. In your mind, in your heart, there may be someone that you just, uh, it's just there. You've held back God's love because of unforgiveness. Uh, another that I found out with people is they're just too caught up in life. They're, they're pursuing earthly idols. They're pursuing earthly gods. They're, they're, they're wanting to experience all in life. And, and in essence, they're just, I'm just too busy for God. And, and, and yet there's longings at times where you're in a place and you say, why don't I feel God's love? And yet you just switch right back into earth mode and everything about earth and everything about being perfect and everything about experiencing the holidays in that way. And you're just really just staying distant from God. Another one is guilt or unworthiness. I've talked to people that just say, I'm just not worthy of God's love. I look at my life. I just, I'm not worthy. Related to that is the idea that I, I felt like I've done something so bad that God can't love me. You know, I, I, I want to be careful here. Uh, please take the spirit of this. God doesn't have a naughty or nice. God has a love period for you, period. You, no matter what you've done, no matter the things that you've done, there's still this place that God says, I love you and come to me. Welcome me into your life. And the last is that, and, and this I run into a lot. My life is filled with pain. Things have happened to me. So many things that I don't think God loves me. If God loved me, why did he let this happen? We've heard that. Maybe you've said that. If God really loved me, why am I facing this tragedy or crisis in this world? And so we've built up these reasons that say that God, I can't experience your love because of these things in my life, the way I think. I, I, as I, we were worshiping, the Lord just gave me a thought about those things. You may have the thought, but the devil is a liar and he will take that thought and dance all over it in your mind. He wants you to not believe that God loves you. Guarantee. 
Guarantee. And if you're struggling with those, I guarantee you the enemy is coming in and just stirring those seeds up and those weeds up and making a mess out of your spiritual life because he's a liar. The devil is a thief and a liar. Don't let him steal God's love from you. Don't let him do that. All of these, though, will come down to just basically this idea, and it's in Scripture. I call it the one reality. Many of you have these thoughts because I believe Scripture says you have not fully experienced his perfect love. First John says this, such love has no fear because a perfect love will expel all the fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. You can put the word judgment in there. And many of these thoughts have to do with judgment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I think that's so foundational today for you experiencing God's love. You know, if you don't feel, if you don't believe you are loved, it affects you, okay? I joke about Nancy in the text. I remember early on, you know, you, you, you're in a relationship and you eventually evolve into this place where you just know that you know that you know that you're loved. You don't have to think about it. Early on with Nancy, uh, just, just that whole process, you know, you, you, you ladies will laugh. I thought all women were the same. Yeah. And so, you know, hey, just, you know, and it didn't work. And, and, and I, I just felt this distance at times. And, and, and I felt like, you know, I just didn't believe she loved me. I was like, God, and, and you know what I do? I try harder, which would irritate her. But anyway, uh, and it affected our relationship. And there comes this place where you just begin to settle in and realize, okay, here's what it really is the truth. And, w- and, and, and when you don't feel loved, even with God, you react in ways that aren't helpful to feeling his love. I want you to take inventory. I want you to look at these things. Have you, are you experiencing the hope, the peace, the joy this Christmas? Is that evident in your life? If not, let that be kind of the red warning light on the dashboard that you might not be fully experiencing his perfect love. You know, the message of the Christmas story is that simple. Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Meaning this, God knew what a slug, worm, gross person you were, have been. He knew, he knew, he knew all along who you were, what you would do. And he still said, here's Jesus. Out of my love for you, I want you to know, here's Jesus. You are forgiven you are made whole, you are made right. What a wonderful message that Christmas is. That is God's gift to us. We have to receive it, we have to open it up. And so the reality is, is when you were separated from God, didn't matter, he loved you, he loved you. That's the unconditional love that took action and sacrifice on his part. And I was looking at these ideas and I thought, you know, okay, when you look at this, this kind of agape love, what is, what is the issue in these ideas of why we don't feel loved? And, and I was thinking this through and I thought, you know, for me, it, it really comes down to this idea of acceptance and rejection. All right, I don't know about you, back when it wasn't politically correct, uh, we were in playgrounds as kids and you had sporting, like kickball or whatever, and you'd choose teams. Anybody relate to that? Do y'all, y'all remember the playground choosing teams? Here's how it goes. Y'all been there, all right? Two of the, you know, type A's or whatever, you know, the studs or whoever, you know, they're always the captains. And so they stand and, and you got a line of kids, all right? And here's how it goes. Okay, oh, I choose that guy. He's, he's, a great, he, he's good at this. The other guy, choose that guy, okay? 
All right? And it gets down to the last guy, and they look at each other and says, you have them. You take them. I don't want them. Seriously. All right? I don't know which order in that line you are, okay? I, I, I never was the worst, but I never was the best, so I always kind of felt good getting picked in the middle somewhere. But the reality is if you're sitting there and you're feeling what that kid is feeling, nobody wants you. Now, let's multiply that in adult life, in adult terms. It's really possible that even this week you've experienced some form of rejection. Maybe it was in a relationship. Maybe you, you had a love for maybe someone and you were dating and you were moving along and all of a sudden the stop sign come up and said, no, nah, no, this isn't good. This isn't for us. And you went away with a broken heart feeling rejected by that person. People, can I be honest today? Maybe some of you went through a divorce and you still carry that feeling of rejection. It's a horrible thing. You know what? When you're chosen, though, and the scripture says you are chosen, you are a royal priesthood, you are loved by God that way, you are chosen by God. I remember when I went to started ministry, I was, I was 21, I was a youth pastor, and I was in Houston. I didn't know anybody um, except Brenda had a cousin who was married to a youth pastor. And uh, the Assemblies of God, which was a denomination, had a convention. And I go to the convention and I don't know anybody and I'm standing around and all these youth pastors are talking and all that kind of stuff. And, and you ever felt like odd man out or odd woman out? You ever feel like everybody knows everybody but you don't know anybody and you're just kind of like over there, right? Y'all feel that, all right? And so I've been over there. Some of you have been over there in your life. And so I'm standing there and I'm just this awkward. It's like, what do I do, you know? I wanna be accepted. I would like people to like me. So what do you do? Well, either you try to do something dumb to get attention, and that never worked. I've tried that a few times. Uh, anyway, I just stand there. Steve was his name. He was the youth pastor that was related. And he's all there with the guys, and all of a sudden he turns around. He says, hey, why don't you come to lunch with us? Now, I'm always in for lunch. That's not the issue. <laughs> the real cool thing is that I can tell you 45 years later how much that meant to me, how that made me feel. I choose you. I accept you. I want you. We experience that in love all the time. We experience rejection too many times. And to be chosen by God, to know today that he chooses you, that his extravagant, relentless love pursues you. And if you don't get that, you're going to miss Christmas. Yeah, you can open gifts and have food and celebrate and, 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 and give gifts. You can do it. But I'm telling you, you will miss Christmas if you can't experience that kind of extravagant love. When we look at Jesus, he was always, always moving in and helping people in their struggles. Everywhere he went, Jesus opened the door of love to people. I could go through many this morning, a few that just really ring the bell for me. The Samaritan woman, a woman who was really kind of rejected by our own community. Samaritans in themselves were kind of second-class citizens, uh, according to the Jewish people. They were just kind of just that group. You know what I'm saying? We have them in our world today. It's just that group, you know? Uh, unfortunately, prejudice and things happen, but they were that group. And so to add to that, she was a woman that in her village had been married five times, all right, and now was living with a man, okay? Come on, think of all the dynamics of that. What, what would that look like? How would she feel? Maybe one of the men she was living with, her husband's, was this woman's husband. You see what I'm saying? There's things we don't know, but, but it's a village, and they're all living there. Who knows? So we know it's a problem because the women would go early in the morning when it was cool, and they would go together. 
there's safety in that. There's camaraderie in that. There's friendship in that. Hey, we're going to go down, draw from the well, the water for the day, and they would do that. But here's a woman in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, Jesus finds her dipping in the well. And he has this amazing conversation. And Jesus tells her, I have water that you don't know anything about. It is living water. And in this conversation, she realizes there's something about this person. They don't judge me. He said, go and sin no more, but he loves me. How does that work out? She got excited. She runs back, tells the village, the story goes on, that Jesus really has an impact in that village because this one rejected woman experienced love. Oh, folks, that's good stuff. That's so good stuff. Pastor John, on his message of hope, he, he made fun, talked about Zacchaeus, the little guy. All right, Zacchaeus was the guy that nobody liked. Zacchaeus was the guy that after Roman took their cut of taxes, he added on his own little buffer of money. Zacchaeus was the guy who had a very nice life and you were struggling to pay your bills, all right? And he was working for the despised Roman government and he was living good and you were living in pain and suffering and poverty. He's not liked, all right? I, 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 I read scripture, I picture, I'm a visual person. I picture Jesus coming in and all these people are there looking for Jesus and, and here's little Zacchaeus, he wants to see Jesus. I picture this, nobody's gonna let him in. That's Zacchaeus, you know. A worm, he can't get in. I, I picture Zacchaeus going down the line, trying to squeeze his way in. Nobody's gonna let him in. So he jumps and climbs up a tree and there he is and he's there and Jesus comes in. Oh, how beautiful. Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to your house for lunch. Oh, but in and out hasn't opened up yet, Jesus. <laughs> Freddy's is better, by the way. I'll get an email about that, I'm sure. Cats and Freddy's. Anyway, here's the beauty. Come on. You're rejected by your village. You're not liked very much. And Jesus, this amazing, amazing man of God comes into your town and he wants to eat at your house. I can see Zacchaeus running home. Honey, get out the best silverware. <laughs> Jesus is coming. He was chosen. He was accepted. It would have been easy to walk by and look at that tax collector, that, look at that. Jesus found the people that felt the rejection the most. And he had a way. The last one that I just think is relevant today is that uh, the story of in Bethesda, the lame man that was by the healing pool and, and, and every so often an angel would stir the water and whoever got in would get healed. And this man had been there for years after years and he was there. And, and I can imagine in his mind feeling such pity for himself, such rejection. Nobody would even help him into the pool. All right. And he was just the guy left out. And I think he got comfortable or at least familiar with the fact that I'm coming, I'm going through the motions, I doubt it'll ever happen, but I gotta do it anyway. I think people here deal that way because Jesus asked him one of the most important questions, all right? He asked him this, he's lame, he's at the pool for healing, and Jesus had the nerve to come up and said, do you want to be well? You and I would look at that and say, Dumb answer. Yeah, of course I want to be well. But do you really want to be well? Because then Jesus, by the miraculous hand of healing, he asked him to do something. He said, all right, get up. God, it's amazing interchange. 
Out of love, Jesus reaches out and heals him. He goes back and tells everybody about the love of Jesus and how it changed his life. Jesus works in amazing ways in your life. The question is, do you really want to be well? Do you really want the love of God to be evident in your life? If so, do you believe in that love? So let me finish with this passage in 1 John. Because when you experience that perfect love of God, that extravagant, lavish, amazing love of God, you can't help but be like these people and affect everyone around you. You can't help. You can't help. It is so wonderful that you be a conduit of love. It's the best thing ever. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love, they, they do, do not love, love, know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice, agape love to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Amen. You want to live agape love? You got to experience agape love. I'm serious. Do you want to be well? Only you know your heart this Christmas season. Only you know your struggle. Maybe other people that you might have shared that, but you're here today. Do you long for that kind of love? So Pastor Jake spoke a couple weeks ago. He's part of our lead team, leadership team here. Um, you know, I was thinking about this idea of agape love. And I remember uh, several years ago, uh, Jake's my nephew. His mom is my sister, second oldest. I'm the oldest. And Jake lost his father in a car accident as a, as a young teen. And Many times in those situations when that happens, uh, people begin to wonder about God, even especially as a young person. And, and so Jake began to struggle with his faith and eventually um, just really just got angry at God and just started living a life and got involved in a, in a drug culture and with some bad people. And we were here visiting for a holiday and I remember my sister coming up and said, Terry, Jake's in trouble. I'm worried. And she just said, will you take him home with you? Okay, well, you know, um, the kind of love that measures things would say, well, listen, he's a teenager. He's, man, he's going to eat way too much food. That's going to cost me too much. He probably has a cat. Um, he, okay, that was the last one, promise. Hey, teenagers are drama. I had three of them. Okay, Jake is the uh, same age as my middle son. They've always gotten along good. And so I began to set and, yeah, take account. Okay, it's going to be this. Um, these are all the issues. Do you think for one second I ever thought that? Agape love, whatever sacrifices we need to make to help him know God is worth it. Literally, Jake hopped in the car. We drove back. Jake, part of our family. Rolled him in school. He started going to school. Him and Josh, they started hanging out, spending time together as cousins and enjoying their time. 
And all along, Jake's really trying to figure out this God thing and what love really meant because God took his father and all these things that we talk about. And, and every day he had a conversation with Brenda, myself, Josh. And eventually, months later, he ends up at this dramatic presentation of the gospel in a town nearby where we lived. And the light came on. He saw in this presentation of the gospel, God's love. He went down and he talked to the performers and that day he wanted to experience God's love. And that led to Jake enrolling in Christ for the Nations and receiving a call of God on his life and begin to minister and be a pastor and a youth pastor. And in that process, he adopts two wonderful boys from Haiti that didn't have a lot of hope. He raises his children, him and Kim, amazing woman. And Jake mentioned the other night, he said, Terry, he said, you know, I didn't think about it, but I've done that with five other people. I brought them into our home. We loved them like you loved us. Now, just I'm telling you that to look at the ripples of that, to look at the ramifications, because someone with agape love reached out and he experienced God's great, perfect agape love. It changed his life. He then reached out and changed other lives. What kind of love do you want in your life? You're going to be selfish because that agape is not selfish. It's hard. If you're here today and your marriage is in a battle, you need agape love. And the only way you get that is from the giver of agape love. Amen. All right, we're going to pray. I'd like you to just close your eyes and pray. Father, oh, I pray so much that folks that are here today can experience your agape love, your relentless, amazing love. It changes their life. For whatever reason, they haven't experienced that. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you today, I, I just want you to take the first step. Do you want to be well? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Okay, thank you. Thank you for the boldness. Thank you for taking that step. Thank you. The prayers that you will begin to seek and experience God's love. And I want to ask those of you that maybe have experienced that, but for whatever reason, life has just kind of washed away that love or whatever, and you just haven't felt it. The Bible talks about a lukewarm love, and maybe you're here today, and maybe you've got lukewarm, and you want, you want to experience again that lavish love of God. Would you raise your hand? All right, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your openness. I believe God sees your response. I believe God will do something. I believe that in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. We give this to you and let this Christmas be filled with the agape love of God wherever we go. Let your name be proclaimed because of your love. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.